Thank you, choir. Take your Bible and join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. The Gospel of John, chapter 21. I made a little change. I'm, I've been preaching through the book of Revelation, and I came back to this for our new beginning and our Easter service this morning. I think all of us here today recognize the fact that all throughout this past year of 2020 that we've been living in type some type of a misty type fog there's just been things surrounding us where we couldn't understand what was going on we couldn't make sense of something that no one did understand they told us all the bad things that were going to happen all of this was unknown we didn't have a way to block it we didn't have a way to stop it and all of a sudden with no cure, we thought in sight, that fear began to set in. It became a heavy mist all around us. We knew the things that we should do, but yet it was hard for us to grasp the things that were there. Fear began to grip us in, in so many ways that uh, we didn't know if this was ever going to release us or what's going to happen. God has continued to move, and God has continued to answer prayer, and God is setting us free. And God wants us to be free, but He wants us to understand that all that took place, everything that we went through, through all of this mess that we've been in for these last many months, all of this is under the control of the sovereignty of Almighty God. Now, where it came from, I don't know. I don't really care. Just know it was there. And I found out over the last few months just how devastating this stuff could be. And it's real. It's real for all of us to recognize and to understand. But thank God he began to work. And everybody's praising Moderna and everybody's praising Pfizer. And everybody's praising Johnson & Johnson because, by golly, we got a vaccine. If it wasn't for the hand of Almighty God, we wouldn't have anything to stop this. You know what I mean? The mist, the mist surrounds us. We don't see those things. And because we live in that mist, I think it reminds us of some things that the disciples feel, uh, felt at the particular time when Jesus rose from the dead. He kept telling them that, but they didn't grasp it. They, they didn't believe Him. Because you see, when they were walking with Jesus, they thought, this is wonderful. The sun is beginning to shine again. We have someone that is healing the sick and, and raising the dead. We've got someone that is driving out these Pharisees and challenging them on every side. Someone is going to stand up for us. Surely this is the Messiah. And someone that is going to be able to conquer Rome. That's in their head. And all of a sudden, Jesus began to talk about, I'm going to die, I'll be buried, I'll rise again. And guess what they heard? I'm going to die. And they set their sights on that. Lord, nothing's going to happen to you as long as we're here. And Jesus said, you won't be around. You'll be scattered like the sheep. And sure enough, they were. You will deny me three times, Peter. And sure enough, he did. You're not going to be around. And all of a sudden, through the night, they waited 
for the soldiers to come and capture them and take them away and put them on a cross. But all they heard was the faint knocking on their door. It was Mary. She said, I've just come from the tomb. There are two people inside there with bright shining raiment. And I'm crying and they said, why are you here? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. Peter and John run off. And they go down to where the tomb is. John runs in first, backs out. Peter goes in, looks. It's empty. He backs out. The stone has been rolled away. The mist grows greater. How can anybody rise from the dead? Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? He died. We watched him die. And how can you say he rose again? They went back to their room. And as soon as they got back to the room, all of a sudden, without opening a door, without crawling in through a window, all of a sudden, there stood Jesus. You remember what he said? Peace. Peace. They looked at him and they saw him. They fell at his feet and they worshipped him. And then just as soon as he came, he was gone. After he told them everything they needed to hear, he's gone. And then here comes Thomas. We all know Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. And if you ever want to know where the Baptist church began, it's right here with a fellow named Thomas. Thomas came in. They said, we've seen the Lord. He's you didn't either. I said, we did. We saw him. He was right here. He said, you can't have seen him. He's dead. They said, he's alive. He is, Thomas. It's real. And he said, Unless I can look at him and touch him, I'm not going to believe you. Bam, there he was. Hi, Thomas. Remember me? I'm the one that you said was dead. Here, Thomas. Put your finger in this hole. Here, here Thomas. Put your fist inside this big hole right here where they put the, fit, the spear in me. Do it, Thomas, so that you will know and believe. You remember what Thomas said? My Lord and my God. He fell at his feet and he worshipped him. And then Jesus was gone. They waited. They don't see him again. And finally Peter said, I can't see through this cloud. I'm going fishing. That's where we pick up in chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. Some of you may have Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples, seven of them, followed Peter. Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said, we're going to go with you. And they make their way to the Sea of Galilee, and they get in a boat, and they go fishing. You feel like you're in that mist? You feel like you can't figure all of this out? Do you feel like everything is surrounding you? You really don't understand what's going on? I'm sure that there are some probably listening to me or maybe some of you in here that we do things as we do and, and we partake of the Lord's Supper because that's what it said. And we come together on Easter and to some of you, you think, I don't know why I go to that church. That guy preaches on the resurrection every time I come. You'll get it in a minute. How could there be a resurrection? 
What has Jesus done for me? Folks, I want to tell you something. There are many of you that are living in a mist spiritually and you can't see the hand of God in what He's doing. There are many of you that are Christians that are living in this mist and you're looking at the, the circumstances and you can't see the hand of Almighty God. And I'm here today to tell you the disciples were in the same mist. But we can get out of that mist. And it's only when the morning comes. Here they are. Let me tell you what happens with this mist that is all around us. And then all of a sudden, there is the breaking of the morning. The dawn begins to set in. And we'll see this unfold here in just a second. But I want you to notice something. When the morning comes, God takes you out of your comfort zone. And He brings you to do what He's called you to do. Look at verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I go a-fishing. They said, we're going fishing. They went forth, they entered into a ship, and they fished all night and caught what? Absolutely nothing. These experienced fishermen said, we're going to go, we're going to bring in these fish, and then we're going to come back. Because you see, what was happening was, we don't understand the fact Jesus died, we don't understand the fact He rose again. We don't understand how that this Jesus that brought us such, such joy and happiness is now gone from us. So I'm going back to where I feel secure. And that's in a boat fishing. Now let me ask you something. What is your security blanket when you can't understand God? What is it? What is it that, that you turn to that you can go and say, okay, I, I, I can do this. I don't, I don't want to go someplace where I can't understand what's, what they're saying or what they're doing. And you look and you say, I, I really can't understand the Bible, so I don't read it. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can understand every word that's in this Bible, please come see me because I'd like to know it. I can't understand a lot of what this is saying here, folks, and neither can you. But I can understand this. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And what he said is true. And what God doesn't want us to do is to go back into our past and say, I'm going to live back here. If you live back here, you'll never come out of the mist. If we live, try to live back in 2020, you'll never come out of the mist. And I'm going to tell you something. I left these here to help you to understand. Folks, we are starting brand new and we are not going back in the past. We are going to move forward and we're going to glorify God and there is no more tape to be involved. We're moving. No more mist. No more mist. These people go back into the past and they want to live back there because it was easier for them. Even though Jesus said these things, they're, on, they're discouraged. They're in despair. I love reading in Luke 24 when Jesus finds these two, two people walking down on the road that leads to a city of Emmaus. And they're walking because the crucifixion has just taken place. And they stayed. They're friends of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus. And now they've heard that he's alive. They haven't seen him. They're walking toward uh, Emmaus. And all of a sudden there's somebody behind them. And if you read that. It means that Jesus was walking behind them. And he stepped it up to catch up with them. And when he walked behind them. He could hear them. And you know what they said? 
we thought this was the one. We thought this was the one that was going to deliver us. We thought this was the one that was going to do it. And so we're going back home and we're going to roll up in a little ball and we're going to live back here in the past where I feel comfortable back here because I know everything that's there. And Jesus walked up and he said, how y'all doing? What are you talking about? And they began to tell him about, haven't you heard? What's the matter with you? Where you been? Jesus of Nazareth died. They crucified him. And now two women have come out, and you know how women gossip. They said he's not in the tomb. And Jesus said, let me explain something to you. And the scriptures say from Moses all the way up to the road to Emmaus, Jesus began to expound the scripture. Now, have you ever thought of this? The first Easter sermon that was preached was preached by Jesus to two people. Two. Two people. That's all he needed. And they listened to him, and as they listened to him, all of a sudden things began to stir in their heart. They, they called it a burning desire. and begin to stir. And so they're walking on through. Here's their house. And Jesus said, well, I'll see you all later. And he starts up and they said, hey, don't you need to eat something? Come on in, let's eat. And Jesus walked in the house with them. And they set the bread before him. And Jesus is sitting at the table. And the Bible says when Jesus took the bread, blessed it, broke it, their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. Now, there, there's no way to prove this. But I've told you this before, but I believe with all of my heart that when he broke that bread, they saw those holes in his hand and said, there is Jesus. And he was gone. He was gone. I'm going to tell you, folks, when you're walking in despair in this mist that surrounds you, you're going to find out that Jesus is always there for you. You don't have to go back to the past. You can live here and you can live right now. Not in the past. We need to live in the dawning of the new day of Jesus. Now, we move from the, the time when they're saying, where well, I'm going fishing, until the, they find themselves surrounded by uncertainty as to what's going on. Verse 4 said, when the morning was, on, uh, was now come, okay, it's lifting, and I want you to just picture a mist on the Sea of Galilee. This mist, they're out in the lake, Jesus is on the shore, and they're looking over there. Jesus stood on the shore, the disciples didn't know it was Jesus, because they were looking at the mist. The mist that surrounded them. Verse 5. Jesus said to them. You have a King James Version. It says, children, have you any meat? In other words, hey, you fishermen, you caught anything? The word children that he used there means children that need help. A little child that needs help with things. Have you caught anything? Do you have any meat? And they said, no. The uncertainty begins at daybreak. They know how to fish and they know what to do. But all night long they've caught nothing. And you can't help but think that Peter's mind goes back to what we find in Luke chapter 5. When Jesus got in Peter's boat, Peter's washing his nets, mending them, knitting them together. He's already accepted Jesus. Andrew has brought him to, to Jesus. He already knows him. Jesus said, he got in his boat and he said, launch out a little bit. I got to teach these folks. And he pushed him out of shore. And then when he finished teaching him, he said, cast your nets in for a big catch. And Peter said, you're an awful good preacher. 
you're a real good teacher, but you ain't no fisherman, bud. When you fish, you fish at night. That's where you catch all the fish. Now, if you want to see the dialogue, Peter told Jesus that, and Jesus said, how many did you catch? He said, nothing. He said, I'll tell you what, throw your nets out again. Throw them out one more time. And Peter said, it's not what you do, but because you said it, I'll cast them out. They couldn't bring them in because of that. Can't you imagine Peter's mind going back in the past and saying, I remember what Jesus did then, but now he doesn't care. He's left us. Now there's nothing else for them. Where is Jesus? Why did he die? And they hear a voice of a stranger in the midst. And he said, did you catch anything? Do you have any meat? Do you have anything to eat? Who is this? Didn't know. Really didn't bother him too much. Mist is is surrounding and it's dense. And they cry out through this mist and, and they say, okay, maybe it's somebody. They didn't recognize his voice when he called out to them. But why not? Jesus said, cast your net on the right side of the ship and you'll find the fish. They cast therefore and now they were able, not able to draw in for the multitude of fish. They didn't see him. They didn't recognize the voice. We'll go ahead and we'll obey what he said or do what he said. And then all of a sudden they're shaken by a reality. Because right there you see the miracle in the mist. As Jesus said, go to the right side of the ship. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks, and I want you to hear me. You're sitting here this morning without Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you say, I can do all of this without Him. You're going to find yourself at a position one day where you catch no fish at all. You have nothing to fall on. You have nothing to take hold of. You find your body wasting away. You find your mind dwindling. You find your strength going. And you're reaching and you're grabbing and there's nothing there. And I don't have anything. And what am I going to do? You feel life slipping away from you. And you know that there is nothing that you can hold on to. And it's all because you have refused to follow the teaching of what Jesus said. But I'm going to tell you something. You can right now if you want to. You can take your net and you can throw it on the right side of the ship. And I'll guarantee you Jesus will be there to fill it up for you. You can find Christ. You can be saved. You can wake up in in the midst of this church service. And you can see the light dawning. And you can see the morning coming. And you can see Jesus. Throw your nets on the right side. And they threw their nets over. And all of a sudden, they saw. They saw what was happening. They saw what was said. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, he said to Peter, Peter, it is the Lord. Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord. He girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. He wasn't out there in the nude. The people of that day wore two. They wore an outer garment and an inner garment. When they were fishing, they took off the outer garment to keep it dry. They would get wet underneath. But he had a garment on. He jumped into the water. He swam to shore. And the other disciples had to bring in the ship. Because Peter was coming to Jesus. Because what they were seeing here is a new era beginning. Brand new. It's not like what they thought. 
But it's something that Jesus is going to begin himself. He threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came with, with the, the uh, other boats and they brought in the catch of fish, dragging in the nets with them. The morning brings us back to reality. All of a sudden we see him. All of a sudden we hear him. May I remind you of something I've been reminding our folks for the last few weeks out of the book of Revelation. There will come a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come for his church. And I want you to get denominations out of your head because he's not coming for a denomination. He's coming for every born-again child of God. Those who have knelt and confessed their sin and confessed they are sinners and they confess that Jesus died on the cross for them. They confess that Jesus rose again and they confess that they need Him as their Savior and they invite Him into their heart and when Jesus comes in, He saves you and you begin to live eternally and one of these days He is coming back to take His church back. When that is, we don't know. But the Scripture teaches us very plainly that He will come back at any second. Are you ready? Has the morning dawned on you that Jesus could come back at any time? How would you like to wake up in the morning and your wife or your husband, you reach over to just uh, greet them for the morning and the bed's empty. How would you like to walk into the nursery and find your child gone, your children gone? And you're walking around the house and no one's there and the fog begins to settle in around you. What am I going to do? We come back to reality when we understand, folks, we're never going to get out of this world alive. Do you get it? And the only way we will is by coming to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus performs this miracle for them so that they would come back to their calling because what Jesus said was this, you will never ever catch fish without me. And you'll never ever catch men without me. I called you to fish for men, not fish. Now all of a sudden, they see the reality as it begins to set in. There is Thomas, the one that said, uh, called him and said, I I won't believe it until I, I see him. And he said, my Lord and my God. Jesus has already seen these guys three times. The mist is gone. It's already lifted. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. In verse 9, it says, As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals. And there, he fixed them breakfast. They had sausage and eggs, bacon. He had a pan of biscuits on there. And he was stirring the gravy. Y'all believe that? I do. Yeah, I do. I don't have trouble. Good Jewish people, they, they have sausage and biscuits and, and bacon. He had the fish on there. They were cooked. They were ready. The disciples walked up and they, the Jesus filled them a plate and he handed it to them. And he sat down with them and he began to eat with them. In the midst of all of the despair, they didn't know what to say, they didn't know what to do. But they knew Jesus was there. Friend, you may sit here today and say, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Folks, there's people around here that can tell you what you need to do to find Jesus as your Savior. The mist will lift. Reality will set in. Your comfort zone will be taken away because you've been called to serve God. And then as the morning breaks, it challenges us. Trust Him. Trust Him. Now, 
Jesus comes to Peter in verse 14. Verse 12 is one of my favorite verses when he says, come and dine. You need to sing that one of these days, Joyce. Come and dine. Will you do it? Okay. Come and dine. None of the disciples asked him, who are you? They knew who it was. Jesus gave them bread, gave them fish. Third time he's seen them. Now look at verse 15. After they had eaten, can't you imagine Jesus? Uh, Peter just kind of had his back turned because he was ashamed. The other six should have been ashamed too. They, they ran off. They left him just like Jesus said they would. But here they, they are, and, and he picks out Peter. He's not picking on him. The reason he talks to Peter is because Peter has been commissioned by Christ to take the keys of the kingdom and open the door to the Gentiles in the book of Acts. Okay? See that? He's the one that's doing it. Go back to Matthew 16. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some Jeremiah, some Elijah, one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, but my Father in heaven. And I say unto you that upon this rock, thou art Peter, the rock. But on this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was commissioning Peter to go forth, but he commissioned him in front of those other six disciples so that they would understand he's putting Peter in a position of leadership because he has chosen him to go forth with the keys of the kingdom. That's the gospel. Open that door of the Judaism, move the Pharisees out of the way, and to bring the Gentiles in and the Jews to receive Jesus as their Savior. And so Jesus begins, Simon, he didn't call him Peter, he called him by his, his surname, Simon Barjona, son of John is what it said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now some people like to say, well, he's talking about the fish. And all the fishing that he did, he's talking about those boats because Peter loved the boats. You know, I really think he was talking about those other six disciples because G Peter had already said, though the rest of them may forsake you, I never will. Peter, do you love me more than these other six? Now, Jesus used a word called agape. That's, that's a self-giving God kind of love. Peter said to him, Lord, you know that I love you. And he used the word phileo. It's a friendship type of love. He said to him, you got work to do. Feed my lambs. Peter hung his head. And all of a sudden, he hears Jesus' voice again. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Agape, love. God kind of love. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you you got a work to do. Feed my sheep. Whew, that's over. Peter! Oh, man. Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said, do you love me? And he said to him, this is verse 17, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Get busy, Peter. Doing what I called you to do. I'm going to tell you something. I want you to hear me real well. You notice Jesus didn't say to Peter, Peter, will you obey me? He didn't even say, Peter, will you trust me? 
He said, Peter, do you love me? Now hear me real well, folks. Because I I believe, I, I read this the other day, and I thought, Lord, help me to remember that. It's not our obedience and our trusting that we have a problem with. It is our fervent love for Jesus Christ. How much do you love me? If you fervently love me, you'll obey me. See what I mean? If you fervently love me, you'll trust me. If you fervently love me, you'll serve me. You say, well, I don't even know him. How can I love him with a, with a fervent love? You love him with a love that says he died for him and he rose again. You receive him as your Savior, and I'll guarantee you, you will love him with everything you have. Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? And he was talking to Peter to commission him, but he was talking to the other disciples as well. And Jesus told him in verse 18, when you were young, you girded yourself, you walked where you wanted to. When you're old, you stretch forth your hands and another one's going to take you and carry you where you don't want to go. And that's, all, that's talking about his death. You're going to die, Peter, and, and the people are going to take you, they're going to drag you, and, and you're going to be put to death. And the historians tell us that Peter was crucified upside down because he wouldn't be crucified just like his Lord was. But Peter went on to say in verse 19, This spake he signifying of his death to glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. And Peter turned around and and he looked at the disciple that Jesus loved. That's John. And he said, Lord, what about him? And there are some of you sitting here today and say, well, church is good enough for my wife, for my husband. Church is good enough for my kids. Church is good enough for everybody else. Church is is for little children and old women. Churches for some old men that, that don't have anything better to do. And no one really needs the church because there's, there's nothing in there that we need. And, and so it, it's just not for me. I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus spoke these words to Peter, basically what he said to him, he said, you can't determine God's will for someone else. You better do what you're supposed to do. You can't tell me what, uh, here's God's will for your life. Folks, I pray that I never start telling you, this is God's will for your life, go do this. You need to find God's will, and you need to get in God's will, and you need to serve Him. Come out of the mist and into the bliss of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Every individual is responsible for his relationship with Christ. Peter, James, John, Thomas, all of them, they're all responsible. Norman. I.B., Julie, Billy, Jerry, Jaden, J.C., Jake, all of my family, Kelly, Jimmy, all of them. If you say, preacher, you think, you think people that don't accept Christ will go to hell? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If I don't accept Christ, I'm bound for there. I had rather come out of the mist that Satan has put us in And step into the glorious dawning of the morning of Jesus Christ. He rose again. Which means he's alive. 
and he is standing at the right hand of God. And as he stands at the right hand of God, he intercedes for us. And as he intercedes for us, this world is going by and, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in, in discouragement and despair and we don't know what to do and we don't know where to go and we don't know where to turn and at any moment Jesus could come back and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. Do you love me? Do you trust me? Will you believe me? How about you today? The mist is rising. God is taking care of this virus. Praise God. But what about your relationship to Christ? Do you know him? Will you receive him? Will you walk out of that mist into the morning light and see Jesus? He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you this morning. You, man, woman, boy, girl. He wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to take those who say, well, you know, years ago I, I've uh, made a profession when I was a kid, but I really hadn't had much use for church. Folks, if you say I, I did this when I was little and I'm getting older now and I don't have much use for the church, then I've got to ask you what happened to the relationship because when Jesus really saves you, he never loses you. What happened? He wants to save you this morning. He wants to change you. He wants to give you a home in heaven. Would you walk out of the mist into the bliss of the morning light? Then came the morning. And there is Jesus. Would you receive him as your Savior? Let's pray together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. God is speaking to you this morning. If you're here this morning without Christ. You've never invited him in your heart to save you. That I'm asking you to open your heart in faith. Because I'm going to lead you in a prayer. That you can pray to receive Christ as your savior. But you have to open your heart in faith. And claim that in faith. Right now. You pray this prayer with me. Dear Father. I know I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. If you pray that prayer with me, I invite you to get up and come. I'll meet you right here. We'll talk about what you've done. You want to pray that prayer, but you didn't, I invite you to come. I'll pray that prayer with you right here at the front of this church. You need a church home. You come by letter, by statement for baptism. You come and say yes to Christ. And say, I, I'm, I've got to follow him. I've, I've got things I've got to do. You come to receive him right now. If God is speaking to you, maybe you just hadn't been in church in a long time. But right now, you believe that, that God has, has called you and you need a place where you can worship, a place where you can go, then you come right now. I'll meet you here. Would you come? Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts. By your grace, Father, give us the boldness to step out in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and let's sing. And as you start standing, start walking, come to Jesus.